All right, two years after two years. Yeah, I think it is two years since we were last here. Sorry? Yes, it is two years, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what year is it. Anyway, we are Dragon Meat and I'm here standing next to a bin. I like how you paint a picture for the listeners. Yeah, we, we are in a somewhat large alley. Great spot where we have our, because I'm part <laughs> of this year, UK in the RPG League. But who are you for people who don't have the picture, which is everybody except me right now. <laughs> so the UK... Indie RPG League is really a collaborative collective of a number of small games but publishers. Who are you? Who are I, me? I, are oh. you the incarnation of? I'm Becky Anderson. I'm from Blackout Murder Games. We are here with the UK Indie RPG League and the Rollistas, obviously. The Indie RPG League are sort of a collaborative collective coming together of small indie publishers so we can kind of support each other, not only on stalls, but with sort of helpful advice and support because it can be quite tough sometimes. You know, you want to share all those valuable things that you learn. You won't be able to say to your friends, don't do a POD run if you think you can do an offset publishing run. Well, you know, to each their own and uh, <laughs> we'll we, we see how things are. Yeah, I got a pile of games there, which I covered the cost up front. <laughs> it was not on demand. Let's see what the demand has been. <laughs> I've sold some of your games today already. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. The, the title of this episode is likely to be A Dragon Meat Behind the Store of the UK in the RPG League. And as a, it's my first convention ever as a, as a game designer. I was wondering about asking the same question to, to all the designers, which is, do you remember that moment when you sort of move from you know paying for stuff and having what you paid for them repaid by people <laughs> buying them and finally made a margin of things so, uh, because you know as a young de designer it's like I'm starting with design so I'm not young but I'm a young designer <laughs> it's quite an achievement in itself when you manage to do that yeah I think that For us, it really started with Kickstarter back in about 2013, 2014. Okay. Um, that we were on uh, G+, the old days of G+. G+, seems to have been nice. It was... <laughs> the G+, was really nice, and I'm still not over the fact that they took it away. But uh, there was a, a very, very strong indie contingent on G+, of designers who were all trying to kickstart things together and helping each other out. It was a really collaborative, really, you know, supportive space. And I think that we had just seen so many other people doing Kickstarters for their small projects. We've been around in the indie RPG community as players and consumers for a really long time in the G Plus community. And we just had this idea for a game and said, well, if everybody else is kickstarting it, surely, surely we can do that too. Um, and that was the first time we made a profit that kickstarted when I think we got three times more money than we asked for, which to us was a huge, kind of amazing, really wasn't expecting it what, to go that well. What project was that? That was Lovecraft-esque. Lovecraft-esque. That yeah, was Lovecraft-esque. It was our first ever project together. I think that then, because we made a profit on that, 
even though we did it as a print on demand rather than offset publishing, we still did make a profit on that. I think ever since then we sort of said, oh, okay, well, we, we know that we can do this. So I think that gave us a bit of confidence. And the reason we did it in the first place is because everybody else was doing it on G+. So it felt like it wasn't a big, scary, weird thing because we were watching other people doing it. You could see what Kickstarter's were going well and why they were going well and we just tried to kind of pay a lot of attention to that and replicate it. Do you think the bar was a bit lower then for Kickstarter because now it feels like like I, I did some niche funding but at Kickstarter and in, in hindsight I'm very happy I didn't go for a Kickstarter because <laughs> I think it would have destroyed me because it feels like there's so much upfront cost and there's a lot of pressure you need to do a video you know the comp the expectations of what a well-run Kickstarter campaign looks like seems to be very, very high nowadays. I think that back when we did Lovecraft Desk, it was still a fairly new and emerging market uh, and a new and emerging way of getting a project out there and people were very excited about it. And so it was probably, there was a lot less in the terms of articles saying the 10 things you have to do if you're going to kickstart to be successful and I think that we've now kind of hit a point where there are things that you want to do you want to have a video but it doesn't have to be a super professional video most people won't even watch your video but if you don't have a video people will notice that you don't have one so I think that the barrier is probably not quite as high as you think for some of these things but it's still certainly a much higher barrier than it was when we started which I think it's just the way of all these platforms isn't it and as, you know as they become as capitalism has become more sophisticated the machine of capitalism you know refining that process ends up meaning that it's kind of it is a bit less scrappy and a bit less people doing it in their backyard in the back room and that sort of thing so yeah I think it's hard but I think the one thing I would say to people is that Kickstarter never was some sort of magic money-making thing plenty of early Kickstarters in the RPG community failed I'm not going to name them plenty of RPG Kickstarters that look very successful didn't make a profit and fundamentally there is really no substitute for having somebody who is good with spreadsheets and understands numbers And you offer those services no. at a fee. It's not me that does it, it's Josh is it's Josh. the master of our spreadsheets. Uh, but we talk a lot about it together and that sort of thing. But I think that part of the reason that we have managed to be successful is because we have been really careful about, we always put in a percentage for contingency in case Brexit happens and the pound goes down in value as against the dollar and we're paying all of our contributors in dollars. Or, you know, there's always these sorts of things you can kind of build in. But yeah, there isn't really a substitute for running the numbers. I will point people to go check the, the panel we recorded with Josh and a few other people titled British Recipes for <laughs> Successful uh, Kickstarter Campaign, uh, which is one of the Rollies Prison panels. And it was, uh, I'm not sure if it qualifies as pre or post Brexit, but <laughs> uh, it was involving a lot. Uh, the level of the pond was a lot uh, discussed. Not yet the shipping challenges of nowadays, but coming back to so following that successful Kickstarter for Lovecraft Desk was your first time at Dragon Meat as a exhibitor a trader and the UK Indie RPG League a, a result of that Kickstarter or, or did the what um, happened between the two I think that between that Kickstarter and the Indie RPG League I think we went to Expo first okay with the Indie RPG League Which and you founded or...? No, I, gosh, no, I didn't find it. Uh, found it, find it. Um, Mina McJander 
um, founded the league with us, Chris Longhurst and Rowan Rook and Deckard. And I think that partly it was a let's split the store costs. Yeah. Really practical. Let's, you know, be really honest hey, that's, about that. That's why I'm here. I, mean, <laughs> I like you very much and everybody at the, the booth, but at the end of the day, that's why I'm here. But it's also, you know, it's lovely being here with other people who are doing the same thing as you so one of the things that I love about coming to these events is that you don't feel like it's just you on your own trying to make ends meet with your games you know you can um, network and talk to other people and there's a sort of a sense of collaboration and everybody is so generous I think with their advice and time and all of that sort of thing and then but when you share a stall together it's even more so you know because you're doing all those logistics behind the scenes you're kind of really bonding and it's just it's really nice to know that if I've got a question there's a bunch of people who I've been on a stall with a few times I can just say hey Calum what's the best mic that I should be buying for my podcast or you know I don't know I'm tired But having people that you can, I think there's, you can't really underestimate how powerful and important it is when you're starting out on these small endeavors to surround yourself with a community of supportive people Definitely, that you can yeah. ask questions of or answer the questions that they have. Yeah, yeah, we support each other and it's, I mean, it's nice to sell each other's games and, uh, and, and be familiar with that. And uh, yeah, we, we, but we, we are more than the sum of our parts. Absolutely, absolutely. And I get just as big a buzz when I sell one of your games or one of Chris's games or anybody else's and when I sell one of my own games because, you know, when we're on the stool together, we're on it together. Earlier today, actually, someone presented to me their zine game. It was very, very nice. Uh, they bought a copy of Paris Gondo. But they, they were hinting at asking, how could someone join the UK in the RPG League? Besides having a podcast and interviewing people from there uh, several <laughs> times, how can one get in touch with you? And So we there's a website, indierpgs.co.uk, that you can go to for more information. There is like a, a limit on how many people can be in the league at any one time because of the logistics, I think, really, of organizing um, ourselves to come to this store because all of the designers who are part of the league... Um, come together to sell together and that's part of it and there's so many of us we got a nice four table space but there's so many of us that we cannot spend most of the day each of us on the store we share the time exactly we share the time and the rotor and the UK Indie RPG League for the last few years has always been really heavily involved with the Indie Games on Demand room upstairs at Dragon Meet and so often there's people splitting their time between the stall and the Indie Games on Demand so people shouldn't be shy in any case and then get in touch with you no and if if the answer is not now that's not a knockback and that's nothing to do with how brilliant you you may be it might just be that we just don't have any space is there a project from Black Armada you want to plug before I let you go well plug games by Black Armada (laughs) but in person yeah I think I probably just want to plug our Patreon if that's okay Patreon backslash Black Armada we put out a game on the Patreon every month it was originally intended to be a one to two page game but Josh and I just can't stop writing so you're often getting something a bit bigger than that I think it's um, Mark Twain who said uh, I didn't have the time to write you a short letter so here's a long one instead I feel I feel Mark Twain <laughs> in that I, I definitely see what's going on for him there and yeah we're using that as a space in between Kickstarters to put small games out test out mechanics test out ideas and there's some really interesting stuff that's come out of that so 
Amazing. And people can follow you on Twitter. That's your main... Yeah, Becky Anderson on Twitter. Um, I'm there. There's uh, probably a lot more complaining about true crime documentaries than you <laughs> necessarily want to sign up for but did I you, do talk about gaming stuff did you check on the murders in the building oh I haven't seen it yet I've been saving oh, it it's up. really good especially when you're a podcaster like me you're oh. like yeah podcast they're using magical mics <laughs> I don't know how it works but uh, yeah it's okay that's brilliant thank you so much Beck and uh, have a lovely day at Dragon thank Meet. you very much person now person. so uh, like after an online one it's much more personable who are you could you introduce yourself hey everybody my name's zach i run a company called salt for publishing i'm jelly muppet on the internets and i'm the publisher of games such as best left buried orbital blues stygian libraries and loads of other stuff on our web store are you having a nice day in dragon meat was the, the morning profitable It's good to be back, yeah. I mean, my first convention was here three years ago today, and I was here with two books, 20 copies each. You got Sold slightly more now. more now. Yeah, slightly, slightly. more. I mean, uh, we've got basically two. I'm here with Rainy Day Games, who are a bunch of makers of uh, like solo RPGs and other stuff like that. And we've got four stands between us. Uh, and there's like literally hundreds of different books that you can grab here. Indie stuff from like all around the world that we've written or published in zines and books and pamphlets and maps and all kinds of other strange and wonderful things all around the world i think you the kickstarter running for something like that yeah so one of the things that we're doing at the moment is called latam breakout essentially kickstarter is a great institution for those of us who are sort of living in western europe and america uh, and other parts of the world but there's some places where you are actually not able to get kickstarter just because of uh, payment processing rules and really boring stuff like that But it basically means that if you're a games designer in somewhere like Southeast Asia or Africa or Latin America, 
you don't actually have access to Kickstart, which is one of the main ways that RPG publishers manage to like grow their creations. So what Soul Muppet are doing is we're working with five creators from Latin America, which is like a developing region when it comes to RPG perspectives. Thriving in terms yeah, of role thriving, playing games. Absolutely, yeah. There's some amazing creators from that part of the world. And what we've done is we've thrown them all a budget. We've said, just make the game that you would make if somebody said, make the game you've always wanted to make, you know? And it's on Kickstarter now. I think it finishes on, what's it going to be like, Thursday the 9th or the 8th or something? And yeah, we've already raised over 20,000 pounds, which means that those five games are going to exist for those five creators. And you know, it's a great profit sharing model and you can pick up a load of really interesting games that wouldn't get, wouldn't get made if, you know, by someone in the West because of the unique perspectives you can get from those regions of the world. So does that mean that you have previous game by those designers today or, or and that you will have those games from Kickstarter to other conventions as physical copies? Yeah, so we'll be doing physical copies of the games when they kind of finish in... So the Kickstarter's running this month. We're already halfway through production. We've got manuscripts and art for all the games, but we're basically working on editing and layout at the moment. The physical fulfillment should be sometime in kind of like March, April is what we said on the Kickstarter. And following that, you'll be able to get those books on the Soul Muppet web store, which is www.soulmuppet-store.co.uk and uh, we'll be taking that to all the other UK conventions. So UK Games Expo this year, hopefully, and Dragon Meet, if those are happening, pending, whatever variant will be on by then, assuming it's safe from like a coronavirus perspective. And then possibly Gen Con, if we could be oh, brave Oh, really? Enough. Wow. But uh, we'll have to see how that goes, because that's even more complicated than getting yourself over to Birmingham for UKGE. Exciting growth. Yeah. And actually, I'm here with my, for the first time ever, with a game mm -hmm. I designed in, in physical form and selling it at a convention. And uh, with that in mind, I have a question I'm planning to ask everybody. Do you remember the moment when you sort of moved from, you know, putting money of your pocket in a project and getting this money back, but you moved beyond that and managed to have to make a margin? <laughs> well, it was, I've got to say, it was, it was, it was Dragon Meat 2018, actually. You really? Know? We were here, like I said, we, we'd printed, we'd done a print run through Mixam at the time. We were one of the first I used Mixam for my use it. Yeah, but this was back all that time ago before kind of like they were a market-leading company in the space. And yeah, we printed, I think, 30 copies of two books and it meant that I had budget to hire a freelancer. Wow. You know, instead of getting me and my friend Ben were making these games at the time, managed to get a map maker to add some maps into the new version of Best Software we were making. So yeah, quite thematically it would have been, yeah, this day three years ago basically at the point when actually people want to play these cool games that people are making, which is such an exciting thing when somebody talks enthusiastically about a game that you're making. Yeah. Awesome. Is there one last thing you want to plug? Best Left Buried, which is our flagship product, Rules Light Fantasy Horror Dungeon Crawler, uh, is released today and you should be able to get it on the Soul Muppet web store now, Matt? Yeah? Now. 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 Right now. Does it ship worldwide or? It should ship worldwide, yes. Although you might be best to wait a couple of weeks if you're in America because we're trying to line up a distributor that should be able to get shipping to you slightly cheaper. But yeah, that and obviously if you check out hashtag Latam Breakout, all over the internet that's our kickstart for those latin american yeah, you don't have to wait a couple of weeks because the couple of weeks will be me editing this so <laughs> by the time it's out by the end of the month i hope it will of be course. sorted yeah i know good stuff well thank you so much uh, yeah thanks a lot Karen. it's good speaking with you yeah and i have a, a lovely dragon meat you too thanks Yes, woman!
We should have a script, I feel like, and to be like, uh, Clark, <laughs> I'm surprised. You're quite a, a ladies' man lately. Oh. I don't know. But <laughs> oh, Lois, you're so funny. I was trying to do legs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're ruining my ship. <laughs> oh. So I'm here with Mira, regular from Farm to Fable. My bon ami. Oh, I'm so happy to see you because you know what well, I'm doing. It's 50% of my face. Yeah, I'm happy to see your eyelashes, your eyebrows and your eyes. And I'm standing in kind of your legacy right now. I am in the podcast zone at Dragon Meat. And we brought down, I think we have eight, nine podcasts with us today. Nice. But actually, the first time we were here as Podcast Zone was something that you brought together in 2015, 16? Uh... Yes. 15, I guess. Nice. It was the first time Dragon Meat was at the Novotel West in yes. Amersmith. So uh, it was after um, Dragon Meat moved out of Earl's Court. Yes, yes. Uh, so. And uh, there's a lot of episodes of my show, at least, <laughs> that document it. So people can Google it and yeah. find the exact date. And uh, they can find also the formal gamer we recorded there. Yes. And, uh, but uh, what about the present? Who was here this year? Well, basically, we've stuck with a crew that have been here quite consistently. And have actually built up quite a beautiful community, especially through Discord and cross-posting. Um, it really kind of proves if you have community, it gives more opportunities. So we have uh, Chaotic Neutral Games, who've been here forever. We have our Modified Role. Of course, um, some of these people you booked in the first instance, so you're still probably going to recognize them. And we have some new podcasters as well. We have RP Geeks, who do like science-based D&D, believe science it or not. Science-based D&D? Yeah, wow. we have Vicky's World, a comedy podcast, and they will be doing a live performance at 6 p.m. tonight. Live? Oh, that's yeah. the first time. It's the first time, I believe, Dragon Meat were looking for like a comedy or kind of a... Uh, an interactive audience focused uh, uh, they were actually looking for comedians so I, I think Vicky's World kind of fit that niche of being a comic pod, uh, podcast an actual play so the audience can feel involved it's and nice because we've been talking about that like like from the first edition the idea yeah, of uh, yeah. being doing something you know like, yeah. like the big ones they you know, know. with an audience and so on well I think I mean I spoke with the organisers and I think that what this marks is if we can come back next year with the podcast zone they, what they would like to do for live we will present that and then that might be able to happen I think it'll be interesting for Vicky's World no pressure um, to, to see how that audience engagement reacts because I think all conventions have a fear of putting a podcast on and the audience don't feel included or they're not taken on that journey and I think there is a very specific 
different in podcasts that have an actual play that's all about their story that could be quite impenetrable. Vicky's World has improvisers and comedians. They're way more used to playing to an audience. Like they want the audience to be part of their process almost. So it's really interesting. And yes, I hope next year we have live podcasting. Yeah, hopefully and no masks on. Like. I know. Well, I have to say, have you noticed like, almost every single attendee? I, I think I've only seen one person without a mask and they were eating. I've seen one without a mask, but it's because they, they, they got the uh, medical discomfort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in terms of the events I've been to, this feels pretty safe. Yeah, and it's, it's much better than uh, your average, even public transport uh, in London, sadly. Uh, yes. Yeah, oh, my gosh. People are much, much more respectful. Yes. Also, I just, we need to shout out that we have people who've traveled down from Scotland again. Oh, wow. So we have, like, you know, penance. We have our friend AJ from, you know, and these are people that you've booked who just want to return. So I think it's a pretty lovely legacy. <laughs> Thanks. Is there content which is being recorded today that people hearing this will be able to, to listen to in the coming months? Yes, as usual, our beautiful Richard Kirk is running again. For the D20 Future Show, yeah. Yes, guess what he's running? Paris Gondo, the life-saving major. <laughs> oh, is that the game you wrote? Funnily enough, no, but maybe next year. It's kind of become a tradition of the podcast zone. He's running Jason Statham's Big Vacation. Oh, really? Oh, that's, that's lovely. <laughs> which we have, I think, run every year since I've been in the podcast zone, which is really beautiful because it's all players from the podcast zone, obviously. I'm less involved this year, but uh, the tradition for several years has been that I took part to an actual play, which mm. was misrecorded in the most dreadful yes. manner the first year it was lost to time okay uh, never then, to be heard then there was a couple with formal gamer where the sound was quite iffy and i think i did a jason statham with d20 future show yeah where i the, mean the sound you have to it's like have you been to woodstock if you didn't play jason statham's big vacation so yeah cool. so yeah i'm really lovely to see you It's so great that we get to do this once a year. Thank you for letting me tell you to interview me. So, <laughs> beyond the, the, the inside jokes of people know, so to promote <laughs> Michael, that thing we referenced earlier, it's Farm to Fable, a Smallville podcast. Yes. Are you booked for a new episode soon? Uh, well, can, what, can you plug it for Michael? Yes, yeah, so basically there is a Smallville podcast in which every episode of Smallville is dissected, discussed, And Michael loves stats, so you will know how many times someone is knocked out, goes to hospital, how many times uh, Superman reveals his powers and some, that person forgets. But he has a great cast of rotating people, so I get to guest, but I only choose episodes where Tom Welling is being romantic. <laughs> because he's my favorite thing about Plus Smallville. being romantic, but where, where <laughs> flesh, <laughs> flesh is on the screen. I because mean, Tom Redding is romantic <laughs> all the time. It's just, uh, I feel like your episodes are more like romantic with their shirt torn apart. <laughs> I do feel I'm more interested in the Smallville episode if there is an element of... I don't know how to say this, but you know, like... The last one I heard was about obsession. Yes. And you described some scene, I was like, yeah, I should check this one. <laughs> well, I think what happened is Michael and I were both excited because we knew that it was like a quite a cheesy subject line. And then we were like, wow, this really <laughs> went... Who can watch this? This seems like it should be an adult episode. Um, but they're really great fun and just revisiting 
those you know episodes from my I don't know I don't I don't think it was my childhood but it makes me feel young we need to play the Smallville RPG at some point I, maybe we should do you mean Michael should do something like that well Michael has something planned uh, uh, and I try to hook him up with people who are seasoned with the Smallville RPG which I've heard great things about yeah. but it's it's really niche I think oh, if you okay. use Cortex but Michael tried to read it and it was not to his taste but I would really really like the you know vanilla yeah. Smallville RPG official we should yeah we should have a look at that have you seen Lex, the actor who played Lex? He does podcasts and interviews. I know, I'm a fan of uh, Inside oh. of You with Michael Rosenbaum. And he is interviewing everybody. Yeah. And I think that's cheating. Like, actors should not be allowed to do podcasts. I know, gonna... right? I know, it's, it's totally unfair. I find the podcast scene is really difficult now. So yeah. difficult. Because everybody, like, uh, even the, you know, the two hobbits, Billy Boyd and uh, the other one. Mm. The, the, the two hobbits, the, yeah. yeah. So that's why people need to bend together, like uh, I with know. the podcast zone. I think community is important because when actors, who already have a job, by the way, and do not need the extra money... Well, you know, uh, there's money and money. <laughs> there's money they, and they, money. A lot of those actors, <laughs> also, they make money by going to conventions. This and is true. And autograph and uh, photo shoots and so on, so... COVID. I mean, uh, Tom Willing and Michael Rosenbaum are not exactly the... They seem to do okay. Yeah. But they're not. It's true. But no, I I recommend anybody listens to Farm to Fable podcast and also The Rollist. I need to know what you're up to apart from designing this game. Well, listen to the show and you'll find out. I'm giving you an opportunity to talk about the show. (laughs) If people are listening to this, they they got... They might come to listen because they hear that I'm on it. I mean the show. Yeah. <laughs> the show. You know the, show. I, I, the, the the thing is, I'm at a point where uh, I'm struggling with self promotion. I was really proactive in that field. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm a bit burnt out on that. I get that. I get so that. So it's uh, it's. But you've been talking to Chloe Mashita. Yeah, Chloe. Who is uh, one of our favorites in the podcast. Yeah, eh? she was a comedian and did stuff on stage. So actually, as you were talking about doing stuff on stage with comedian, mm. I was like, Mira should get in touch with yeah, Chloe yeah, because Chloe. she would be she would be awesome on stage. Yeah. Uh, the people from Quantum Leopards also uh, and the Rusty Quill, a lot of comedians. Yeah, there. for sure. A lot of uh, definitely Venn diagrams overlaps. Yeah, I think um, I think Chloe's quite inspirational. So I'm really excited that you interviewed her. I bet you got a lot out of the interview as well. Yeah, no, it was it was great meeting her. I don't know if she's around today. Yeah, she's around. She ran a game for No More Damsels. Oh, cool. Yeah, No More Damsels have a whole game room. I don't know if you knew. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, so Modifuse, No More Damsels, and Roleplay Ever, yeah, and Games on Demand. I mean, I'm very biased, as I am a member of No More Damsels, but I think it's so special that we had a whole room run by you know, basically people that weren't maybe boys. Really exciting. Funnily enough, one of them has just come to grab me. Naomi from No More Damsel. Say hello. Hello. Yeah. So, yeah, life is good. <laughs> Great. Yeah. But any of your listeners should definitely look up No More Damsels online. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook, because even if you don't want to become a member, 
when other people see our numbers growing, they all understand there's a love and a need of more diversity. Yeah, and we and would uh, appreciate it. Hopefully when things blow over, uh, waving my hands at the state of the world, yeah. uh, one of my best night out ever was the No More Damsels events at oh, Bad Moon Cafe. That was so uh, fun. I had a blast playing with Jane Aniston, a uh, game of fiasco. Yes. And, uh, you know, I dressed up a bit, like yes. in the 80s with a sport I jacket. I love when you dress up. And uh, it was... It was festive, you know, it was yeah, in yeah, the yeah. evening, it was different than a convention. It felt like a celebration, a right? Yeah, definitely. So yeah. I'd love to see those come back. Well, that's the plan. We have raised a lot of money this year. Um, there was an amazing, uh, a woman uh, called Becky put together a whole Warhammer army and encouraged loads of people to send in Sisters of Mercy. That's not the name of it. Angels of Mercy? <laughs> I'm not a wargamer, can you tell? But we raised a lot of money through that. So with the money that we've raised and we went to Salute and we raffled some items, we're going to be holding workshops and hopefully um, more events like that next year if COVID allows it. Great. Well, see you then. Yeah, thank you so much. So good to see you. Cheers, bye. This episode included The League of Impressionable Teens by SoCal Wobbly Like a Jelly by Oblivion Substantial and of course Salt of Franco or Theme Song by Bonded Aurore. The logo of the Rollis podcast is designed by Rollin Kearns and you can find it on t-shirts, stickers, face masks to protect yourself from the ongoing pandemic on the Rollis Big store as well as a bunch of other designs which would make perfect presents for your family and friends who might be or not into tabletop role-playing games. So this was our big return to Dragon Meat. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was quite something. As I mentioned in the first interview, it's called Dragon Meat behind the stall of the UK Indie League. But it turns out I actually did not record that many interviews with people from the league. And uh, I'm a bit disappointed about that. Yeah, my experience of Dragon Meat wasn't the best. It's no one's fault. It's just it was so physically and emotionally overwhelming to be there after not having the edition last year, or at least not uh, in-person edition. There was an online edition. Uh, so being surrounded by friends, uh, it was very exciting, but at the same time stressful as I kept wondering if I should be there, uh, considering a uh, new variant here in London. Thankfully, as far as I'm aware, no one got infected at the event, so I'm very happy about that. But yeah, it was hanging over my head and probably the head of uh, a lot of people being there, so it was quite anxiety-inducing. Physically, we we were all wearing masks, and um, I must say a uh, big kudos to all the attendees of Dragon Meat, I never seen such a high rate of people properly wearing their mask at all times. So I really appreciate that. But uh, yeah, long story short, I don't know, a third in the day, I was already emotionally and physically exhausted. And so uh, I plow through recording stuff uh, in addition to selling my game and promoting the games also of other designers at the stall of the Indie League. And uh, and yeah, uh, I sort of lost track of things. I mastered the game of Paris Gondo, which I love. Thank you so much to everyone who joined that session. And yeah, so so I lost track of things. I did not realize that uh, actually uh, I should have recorded more with the league. There's three, maybe four more interviews in 
part two of uh, this episode dedicated to dragon meat, I, I think I would have to catch up with the designers for, from the league, try to meet them somehow and record a, a proper full episode with as many of them as possible because they, they, they were absolutely lovely. I had a, a fantastic time at the store despite everything which I just listed. I had a fantastic time at Dragon Meat. It just, just it was a bit much. And uh, yeah, so I hope, you know, it was my first time selling my game. So, I mean, <laughs> I attended, you would have told me the first time I attended Dragon Meat that uh, five years, six years later, I would be there selling a game of my own design. I would not have believed you. So uh, that was quite emotional. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who, who purchased a copy. For people who were not able to be there, who were there, and I missed so many people I, I, I wish I'd hanged out with, and I missed, I missed. I think Simat was there from um, uh, RPG Life UK. Uh, there was Eric Newdon who was there visiting from Ireland, and I missed him. There was Chloe Macheter. There was Joe Winter as well. Uh, I did not properly hang out with Ursi Dice uh, either. Or, lots, I mean, so many people I know and I love. And uh, I just, yeah, by the end of the day, I was completely uh, blasted physically. And uh, actually, I came back with a, a relapse in a tonsillitis. So I was knocked down for the rest of the week, like completely. I couldn't do anything. So yeah, no, no after drink, no, none of this, uh, which I hope I will have uh, next year. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I hope it doesn't come across as gloomy. I hope, uh, considering my state there, I did not come across a dragon meat uh, as unfriendly. Again, wearing the mask is important, but it, it's weird in uh, in social interaction. So so yeah, uh, again, thanks everyone who attended. Thanks everyone who was super careful. I just cannot wait to be back at Dragon Meat again, and hopefully in conditions which will be uh, slightly better. So yeah, uh, yeah. If you were, as I was saying, if you were not at Dragon Meat and you would like a physical copy of Paris Gondo, I am working right now on sorting out our shipping works, especially customs from the UK. So there will be more announcement about that. If you want to be informed of that, I highly recommend you to subscribe to the Paris Gondo newsletter, which is specifically about the game. Or you can subscribe also to the Rust Podcast newsletter. Both you can find in the description of this episode. I will include links to, to both of them right at the beginning. So they are easy for, for you to find. And so links to all the games we, we describe as usual. Uh, I think I mentioned everything. I hope you will all have a festive holiday season hope uh, worst case scenario you will be at home enjoying everything that uh, stream entertainment has to offer uh, from under a duvet that's definitely what i did with my tonsillitis i recommend to check uh, superman and lois and hawkeye on disney plus uh, superman and lois is, is on the bbc and yes that's it take care have a merry happy new year and see you in 2022 for the second part of our episode dedicated to this year's Dragon Meat. And in the meantime, have good games. Rolei, solta o frango e vem com a gente. Rolei, 
Nós é tipo bem Jesus, todo mundo a gente ama Ainda mais se for gatinha, rola até levar pra cama A gente topa tudo, sapatão e bigodudo Na hora do piriri, cai em mim outra vesti Vai batuque! Rolê! 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 Solta o frango e vem com a gente Rolê! Rolê! You go on one date with this girl and already she's sneaking into your bedroom, putting sexy pictures of herself in your locker and practically asking your parents to book the wedding chapel. What's your secret, Clark? This isn't funny, Lex. We barely know each other. She's already acting like we're soulmates. Look, in my experience, a person doesn't develop this kind of fixation unless she's been encouraged to think the relationship is more than just casual. You're saying I let her on? I'm saying I've been there. She's smart, she's pretty, and you want her to like you, so you tell her things she wants to hear. I'm curious, what exactly did you do to make her feel this way? You're making my point for me. So what do I do now?